Okay, so visualize the mirror field. So the Buddha is surrounded by all the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas. And ourselves surrounded by all the human beings, all the bears, all the turkeys, all the dogs, all the bees, and all the other living creatures in human form. And we're going to lead them in taking refuge and generating bodhicitta. So we uh, have gone through a few of the ways to look at the 12 links and their sequences and how there is sometimes a mix and match between different sets of of 12 links. So there's been a a few questions. So how does um, 3B, the result of 3B, um, which is result in consciousness, and uh, 11, birth, compare. Are they mutually inclusive? Okay. And are 3B, 11, and moment of conception synonymous? Okay. My understanding is, yes, they're basically the same. Yeah, 3B and 11, the result in consciousness, and, ele- and birth, yeah. The resultant conf- consciousness is emphasizing more the, the fact that it's the consciousness that is the re- there was 3A, which was the causal consciousness. So 3B is emphasizing that it's a result of that consciousness. So it's emphasizing that it's carrying the, uh, you know, it's the result of the karma that was created before going into a new life, yeah, and then uh, going into name and form and developing name and form, yeah. And then birth is uh, emphasizing that it's uh, the beginning of a life, yeah, followed by aging and death. So, you know, there's... um, when you study the Dharma, you know, that the way things are put together, often it's not the way we do in the West. Things can be synonymous but have different names because they're emphasizing different points. Um, one thing can be a category of the other, but then it can also by it be its own category. So as one Lama said, symmetry is stupid. So don't expect everything to to be uh, nicely laid out according to the way we think, you know. Okay. So then we have, wow, lots of different um, drawings here. Woo. Okay. So um, this is the, the first one that Stephen did. He put uh, all three examples on one page. Okay. So, Stephen, do you want to uh, explain your diagram? 
come up here and, and explain it. Yeah, yeah, so people can see you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but you've got to stand right here. So somebody. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> what I did was I, um, each uh, arrow is a um, series of links, and each color of the arrow represents a different set in the 12 links. So starting with the explicit presentation. Do you want me to hold it so you can point sure. to things? So starting okay. from the explicit presentation in life A, um, you have links 1 through 3A, and that's the only um, part of that set that's in that life, life A. And then that set continues um, to life B, and it results in 3B through 7. So that's result in consciousness through um, feeling. And then a different set of 12 links is the purple, and that's 8 through 10. So that is propelling a new rebirth, which is life C. And then 11 and 12 are the extent or the full um, duration of life C. So that's birth, aging, and death. And so it's important to remember that even though, uh, for example, the first one says uh, the re- has as the result just a few of them, it's also implying birth and aging and death. And on this one where it has birth, aging, and death, also the other three B through seven are implied. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so actually if I because this is only emphasizing in this first one, the green set of twelve links, it's only emphasizing one through seven. If that were to continue yeah, then you'd have 11 and 12 in life B. That was a result of 1 through 3A of life A. Yeah, or just even, uh, no, it's when you have life B, okay, this is the result, 3B through 7. Mm-hmm. So those actually occur simultaneously with 11 and 12. Right. So 11 and 12 are... Uh, implied here. Right, right. That's what I was saying. Oh, okay. That that 1 through 3A would also propel an 11 through 12. Yeah. But in the explicit presentation, that's not emphasized. Right, but it it ripens in the same life as the 3B through 7. Right, right. Okay. Right. So then going on to the implicit presentation, so this is showing one set of 12 links. So it's all in the same color. And so 1 through 3A is happening sometime in life A. And then at the end of life A, 8 through 10 is coming in to fruition. And then that's propelling, as Venerable, you're saying, mm-hmm. both the 3B through 7 as well as the 11 through 12 are happening simultaneously in life B. Okay. And then um, really the only difference in implicit presentation one and implicit presentation two is that um, there's a matter of some lives. There could be who knows how many lives between life A and life B, but life B and life C are uh, consecutive. So that the one through 3A is happening in life A, and then some time passes, 
And then um, at the end of life B, which is um, before life C, you have eight and 10, eight through 10. And then they both, and then both um, three B and seven and 11 through 12 ripen in life C. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is there, can we roll that up, Venable, bumps uh, up to the green one? So at the end of life A, there sh- is it implicit that the 8 through 10 there to propel it into the next life B is not indicated there? Right. Right. Okay, so, so that's actually, implied, right? We That's going to, that's happening. Right. right. Okay. So what's interesting actually is um, the green could look like implicit presentation one. Mm-hmm. Correct? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Explicit presentation is just showing them in order of the 12 links. Yeah. And here it's the explicit. It's actually two different sets of 12 links that are happening. Okay. And here, this is, in the second one, it's one set, but it happens over two lives. In the third, it's one set, but it happens over three lives. Why is one called explicit and the other implicit? Well, let's see. Why would this one be explicit? Maybe explicit because it just points out the obvious and it has some implied ones. I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah? Anybody have any ideas? Yeah? I think one's called explicit because that's what the Rice Link Sutra explicitly outlines, and then you can infer the implicit from the Rice Link Sutra. Uh, no, the, the implicit are also listed, I think, in, in the Rice Seedling. Yeah, the if expli- I'm not wrong. You mean the implicit is. Listed. I think so, okay. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then, so you see, there's many different ways. So this one, this one, the the we're done on different sheets. One, two, three, four. 15, 85, and 108. Um, okay. Uh, do you want to explain? Yeah. Maybe one of the ones that shows additional ones to go beyond what Stephen did. Uh-huh. Sure. I have that the other one. I can probably pull complicated one on the last page. Okay. So, so jumping from, from Stephen's explicit model, this is the, ex, the explicit model with all of the links shown for the two sets of links. Um, and so potentially you would need four lives 
So, and, and in this case, I followed the naming convention in the book. So we have John, Maria, and Rooney. And you would need two other lives, one that's immediately before Maria, which is the one on the bottom, um, which has your 8, 9, and 10 that then are, are for Maria. So that was one of the, the questions that just happened. So you would have to have this additional life where that's happening, and that's the life immediately before Maria. That life also has 3B through 7 at the beginning and 11 and 12, but those are for completely different sets of links, which is why they're in gray. The co there's color coding here, too. <laughs> so... Um, so in this case, the, the blue and the green are the two different lives for Maria and Rooney, and then the black um, thick outlined boxes are, <laughs> I'm getting, getting dizzy, um, the black outlined boxes are the ones that are in the explicit model. So if you go back up to John's life, the one at the very beginning, um, so we would have 3B through 7 from a completely different set of links even before 1, 2, and 3 has happened. But what we show in the explicit model are those three blue boxes, 1, 2, and 3A, where that karmic scene to be born as Maria is placed. Now that's still during a link 12, the death process, but that's actually for a different set of links. Oh. No, no. no? That the link 12 is John's life. Yes. Yeah, and, and 12 isn't just the death process. It's the whole lifespan. I was thinking of that as aging and death. Yes, sorry. Yeah. Um, and so there is 8 and 10, at, 8 through 10 at the end of that life, but it's projecting some other life that, you know, potentially is not even the life before Maria. And then when no, we... It's, it's it, the immediate... It, in your diagram. I say multiple. I have a little dashed line there, which tells you it's different. Yeah, it's in multiple lives. There could be many, many lives. Oh, okay. But yeah, but it, yeah. it ripens, 8 through 10 ripens mm -hmm. in the life immediately before. Right. The, the, the blue ones that are the ones we would care about for Maria. And then yeah. if we look at Maria's life, the end of that was where we were nourishing the seed um, to be born as Rooney. And we can ask the question, well, wait, where did that seed come from? And we have to add a fourth life even. Um, can you get, yeah, it's, it's awkward. So in some life before Maria, there was the karmic seed placed to be born as, as Rooney. So that's some other life completely. So as we add in all of these other links, it gets really complicated. Um, but... <laughs> I found it helpful to always think about the fact that we're seeing kind of chunks in terms of the actualizing causes, the projecting causes, actualized effects and projected effects, that the links kind of stick together in groups, and it has to do with those, those different groups. Good. Thank you. Okay. So we'll put all these up. Um, yeah. Oh, Okay. So the online people have them, and the people here? Okay, good. Thank you, everybody, for doing it. See, it's interesting. You can see there's multiple ways to draw something out. Yeah. Jeff Edible, I put one on your desk, too. There's one. That's Stevens. Anchor in the expansive. You can tell it's mine because it's printed on the back of. Uh, 
But th this one's not a diagram. It it's a story in a box. <laughs> oh, oh. Now I see. It's a story in a that, box. And the only I only brought it up because for people who who like words, I think this would actually be helpful. Okay. Do you want? I hope it's it may or may it? not be accurate, but <laughs> it's a chart. It's as close as I could get to a diagram. It's just not the way my mind works. Okay. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So Tashi is past life A. Projected causes could have been a thousand years ago or more. The seed never disappears. But in that life, ignorance, formative action, and consciousness are developed. How? His virtuous mind of faith made offerings to the Buddha, leaving an imprint or a seed on his mind. All other links are implied. He came about through projected causes, experienced all the projected and actualized result. As death nears, actualizing causes kick in, ripening a non-virtuous seed, and he's reborn as a pig. Then, after many sets of 12 links, this continuity has a virtuous seed, whoever that is, ripens at death, and he is reborn as a human in the, U in the U.S., at many points in that life, ignorance, formative action, consciousness plant more imprints on his mind. Life B, Anita, actualizing causes. At the time of her death, who was born in the U.S. from Tashi, right? Craving, clinging, grasping, and renewed existence kick in. All other links are implied, and she came about, of course, she previously came about through projected causes of a different life, experienced all these things also, and at many points in her life. Ignorance, formative action, consciousness, plant many more seeds. Life C. No. <laughs> are you not following the story? No, I'm a little bit confused, but go on. So we're following the seed. We're following the seed. We're following the seed of... Uh, Tashi's virtuous mind of faith that made offerings whoever knows how long ago, that seed is still present in the mind of Anita, who, hmm? at the, but not ripened until Anita, craving, clinging, yeah. craving, clinging, and uh, craving, clinging, renewed existence, project her into Rooney's life. Okay. Where the virtuous seed of offering from Tashi ripens as a princess in India. And at that time, 3B consciousness, name and form, six sources, contact feeling. At many points in this life, uh, these other links are going on, and the actualizing effects of birth, aging, and death move on to the next life. Okay. So it's the story of a seed. Oh, okay. Put into I, a I chart. was just confused because up here with Tashi, it says all other links are implied, but where are, what are those links? They're not from they're from totally different. They're sets totally of from 12. different sets of twelve links. Okay. Everything about his whole life are totally different sets of twelve links. All we're concerned about that gets us all the way to Rooney are these three. <laughs> I thought the. The first, yeah. Yeah, the first, first three. three. Okay. And ignorance, formative action, and consciousness. Yeah. And I will just say for people who like words, to call them 1, 2, and 3B boggles my mind. I have to give them names. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's just, I'm just, it's just a different way people work. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay, then we're on 198, halfway down. 
So let's change the scenario slightly. Motivated by compassion, yeah, Pat regularly volunteers at a hospital where she gladdens the hearts of people needing support and hope. Okay, so she, this is in addition to what, she, you know, previously she screamed at her kids. Okay, so now she's doing this volunteer work, yeah, with a good motivation and, you know, it's a full action. And this begins another set of 12 links and leaves the seeds of virtuous karma on her consciousness. At the time of her death, she rejoices in her own and others' kind hearts and good deeds, and this virtuous mental state activates link 8 through 10 of the set of 12 links that began with her volunteer work. Okay, So her consciousness is attracted to take birth in the body of a human being, and the projected and actualized results of that set of links occur. She's now a, a human being. Okay. Then, meanwhile, the karmic seed from the harsh speech remains on her mind stream until in some future life, links 8 through 10 of that set of heart of uh, links are activated and lead to an unfortunate rebirth. So you see, it isn't that we're not, we are not always going up, 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 up. We can go have a good rebirth, fall down to a bad one, go up, go down. Yeah, because uh, some, some religions say that we're constantly going up. Buddhism says, no, it depends what you do and what ripens. Okay, so um, she's the eight through ten uh, are activated. They lead to an unfortunate birth. In that case, the set of twelve links associated with harsh speech occurs over three lifetimes, as in implicit presentation two. Okay, so many sets of twelve links can be in the works at one time, overlapping each other. While experiencing the resultant link of one set, the causal links of another set are being created. In Pat's case, she was experiencing the link of aging uh, from a set of 12 links that began in a previous life. When she became angry and shouted at her, ki- shouted at her kids, the links of ignorance, formative action, and consciousness of a new set of links began. Her volunteer work at the hospital started yet another set of 12 links. During her life, many sets of 12 links begin depending on actions done with virtuous or non-virtuous motivations. Okay? So we can see that that's what's going on in our life too. Yeah? We're experiencing the resultant links from... Uh, some other set of 12 links that was, uh, you know, created in the past. And then in the meantime, we're creating the first three, two and a half links of many new sets of 12 links. So during her life, many sets of 12 links begin depending on actions done with virtuous or non-virtuous motivations. Each set has the potential to lead to a new rebirth 
unless the karmic seed and having ceased are impeded from ripening, or she eradicates the afflictive obscurations that cause rebirth in samsara. Here we get an inkling of what bound in samsara by afflictions and karma means. Okay, so when you study the 12 links, this is the the main thing that comes across, you know. What does it mean when we hear bound in samsara by afflictions and karma? It means this, we are tangled up in many, many sets of 12 links. Mm -hmm. So do we choose our next rebirth? For, oh, let me go back a little bit, okay? So, um, so each of the, um, the karmic seeds, or having ceased, that were planted in the mind is going to ripen, yeah, unless purification is done, yeah, which stops the ripening of, of that seed or having ceased. Um, or somebody attains our hotship. When they attain our hotship, yeah, the, all the beginning links of one through three A for many, many, um, sets of 12 links, those, uh, haven't ripened yet. And the karmic seeds are still in the arhat's mind, mind stream, but they can't ripen because links eight and nine have been stopped. Yeah, when you realize emptiness and stop the ignorance, then you stop the craving as well. And so those uh, seeds are there, but they can't ripen. Okay. But the arhat still has the stains, yeah, of the afflictions. And so they say that's why Sometimes an arhat may act in a very strange way. Yeah. So do, but they have no motivation to act in a strange way. It's simply because of the latencies left in the mind. So do we choose our next rebirth? For us ordinary beings, the choice exists as we do each action in our daily lives, creating new karmic seeds. So we don't choose our rebirth at the time we're dying. Yeah. What we do now is choosing what kind of rebirth we want to have. Because what we're doing now is creating the causes for future rebirths. Yeah. So we don't wait until the time we're dying and go, oh, by the way, uh, yeah, I want to choose my rebirth and, um, you know, hold off on death so I can create a little bit of virtue and, and do it. No, it's like net what we're doing now is planting those seeds in the mind. Okay. So uh, for us ordinary beings, the choice exists for our next rebirth as we do each action in our daily lives and create new karmic seeds. It is not the case that in the bardo, We calmly, we're sitting up on some cloud. We look down on earth or other habitats and pick our future parents in order to learn certain lessons or repay karmic debts. So I'm bringing in all this language here because this is how some 
kind of new age people describe it, but this is not how the Buddha described it. Okay. We do not, if, if we say that we take a rebirth to learn certain lessons, that implies that there's somebody who created a lesson plan and wants us to learn certain lessons which means that there's some kind of manager or supervisor to to the whole thing. And in Buddhism, there isn't. There is not a creator God who manages and supervises and designs lessons for, you know, has some uh, secret lesson plan written out for each of us and causes us to take rebirths so we can learn certain lessons. That That's not at all a Buddhist idea, okay? And, and the idea of repaying karmic debts isn't either, okay? It isn't like, um, yeah, you were kind to me in a previous life, uh, so I have to be kind to you in this life, or you beat me up in a previous life, so I'm going to beat you up in this life, okay? There may be results similar to the cause, but it doesn't have to do with exactly the same person that we created the initial cause with. Otherwise, it would be impossible to ever get out of samsara because everybody has created causes in relationship to us, which means we'd have to hang out in samsara until uh, they uh, acted out all their things to repay our karmics, karmic debts, okay? So there's, there's no kind of account system somewhere in the universe or in the Buddha's mind or floating around, you know, where who owes this one, owes that one, and and so on, yeah? It's more, you know, we create a cause, we plant a certain kind of seed, yeah? We experience a result that accords with that particular seed. Hmm? Okay. Okay, so rather, just prior to death, karmic appearances manifest in our minds. Due to emotional reactivity to these appearances, craving and clinging arise and nourish a karmic seed, and the mind seeks new aggregates in which to take birth. Uh, the bardo being, the bardo is a complete confusing time. Anger, attachment, jealousy, fear, and self-grasping ignorance arise just like during the life, you know? And you're running around, you see something desirable and you run towards it and you see something else and, and you know, it's, it's quite a confusing time, they say, unless you have some control of your mind. But if you look, as human beings, sometimes we act that way too. We're very confused. You say, oh, there's something desirable, we go for that, and there's something in that. And, you know, we, we meet people who were... Uh, you know, changing everything all the time. They're the first they have a plan, they're going to do this, then they're going to do that and go here and there and, you know, running towards whatever appears desirable or running away for, from whatever appears undesirable. No one creates lessons. 
Yeah, no one creates lessons for us to learn in our lives. Whether we learn from our experiences is up to us. So there's a lot to learn in our lives, and there's a lot to learn from our experiences. But nobody wrote a lesson plan, okay? And it's up to us whether we reflect on our actions and, you know, think about what what did I do today and what am I creating the cause to experience in the future and looking at what happened today and say, you know, what I experienced, what kind of things did I do in a previous life to get this this life, okay? So the Tibetans have a little saying because we we have uh, human lives. If you want to know what your previous life was doing, look at your present body. If you want to learn what you're going to be in the future, look at your present mind, okay? So look at your present body. Yeah, we have a comparatively good body to uh, or basis, you know, for the mind with which to practice dharma, which means that in previous lives we created a lot of good karma. Okay? So look at your present body. You know in your previous life you created a ton of good karma. Do you want to know what you're going to be in the future? Look at this life, and are we creating virtuous karma, or are we creating negative karma? And then to know that that will ripen as what we will become in the future. Okay? So that's why they always say, guard your mind. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Okay, do we insist... So whether we learn from our experiences is up to us. Do we insist on blaming others for difficulties? Or do we examine our own distorted conceptions, afflictions, and behavior and apply the the Dharma uh, counterforces to transform them? Yeah, I do that when I'm doing purification practice 10 years later. Yeah. Okay. So to to really look and be aware when we do things, what are we creating the cause for? Because you know, like you, something went wrong. We blame somebody else. That feels good. It's not my responsibility. Yeah. It's not my fault. I'm not a bad person. It's the other person's fault. So we kind of feel good after we blame somebody else. Yeah, but what kind of karma are we creating? Yeah, karma that's not so good that's actually going to bring us problems. Yeah, so if we were really uh, aware of how karma works, as soon as we blame somebody else, we would feel unhappy instead of feeling, oh, good, you know, I got that person off my back. Okay, but we would feel unhappy. Mm-hmm. Arya bodhisattvas, as well as some Shravaka Aryas, can guide their own minds at the time of death and determine well, where they will be reborn. Okay, it's mostly the Arya bodhisattvas who do this, the Shravaka 
Uh, the shav- some Shravaka Arhats can do that, but once they attain uh, Arhatship, they don't get reborn. They, they stay in meditation on emptiness. The rebirths of ordinary people, however, are projected by their afflictions and karma, just as during life they are under the influence of afflictions and karma. Under these circumstances, we are not free to experience the happiness and peace that we seek. Okay, so then there's the reflection. Review the process of how the 12 links produce a new rebirth according to the explicit and the two implicit presentations. So we did that. Yeah, very well. Thank you, the people who contributed. Then two is make an example using a formative action created under the influence of ignorance in your present life of how a set of 12 links could unfold in the future. Somebody want to do that? Somebody have in mind an action they did under the influence of ignorance. It could be virtuous or non-virtuous. You want to make an example of something from your life and how it could ripen? So I continually think about this. Is under the control of ignorance all the flies that I swatted with newspapers and fly swatters when I was a child, rejoicing that I did it. So that's one, two, and three A. So depending on, um, I've done a lot of purification around that, but the seed is still there. Um, So I would say, I can make it a simple one, is to say that at the time of death here, I may have a lot of regret or maybe wish some kindness on all those that I have harmed and make a deep, may I never do that again. So that may propel me into... Um, maybe a human life that has some difficulties, though. I may have, I may be born in a, the life where I get into the, um, where um, 3B to 7 is, I come through that, but I come out with some uh, limitations in my health. I may have some sickness. I may have some struggles as a child or whatever through that life, sickness, disease. And, um, and then... Aging and death is going on at the same time. And I may either take that opportunity, if I've met the Dharma, to feel that is purification. Or I may get really, really angry and set yet another set of links mm-hmm. that is angry at my sickness, anger, angry at my disease. Then become, starts another link. Um, and so, let's see, where do I go from there? Um, Basically, it depends a lot on how you use this life. How, how you use this life. Yeah. So that I've done the purification, I try to not kill. I've really yeah. set that determination strongly in my mind. Mm-hmm. And so at the time of death, I would have that regret, but, but also rejoice that I created the virtue to, mm-hmm. to purify. And also all, the times, also all the times that you preserved life, you, you protected life. Yeah. So they, those would become the, um, if I did them with all four branches, they become a set of new links in of themselves. 
if yeah. I do them, but not quite all four links, they'll complete some sort of karma in the future. Yeah. Okay. And then the third point, how does this reflection affect your attitude towards your life? Yeah. So this is a, a really good exercise to do. Yeah, this is your homework to think about it and, you know, make some different examples. Hmm? For all of us to be born and have a karma to be ordained in this community, it could be a various amount of individual links. Yeah. The collective karma could even be... I'm, I'm curious to know how this unfolded for all of us, what the possibilities could be for... Yeah. Well, one. there was some collective karma. Maybe we... I don't know, in a previous life, all volunteered, did some volunteer work together, mm -hmm. yeah, which created the, the, the virtuous karma for, of the group having a good result. Mm -hmm. And then within that, we have our own individual karma that, that ripens in terms of being born, uh, you know, whether, you know, what kind of body and how the body looks and what, kind of intelligence and all those other kinds of things. But to have the, or, the, the aspiration for ordination. Oh, then we were probably either ordained in a previous life or we made a lot of prayers to be ordained in this life. But it could have been a previous, just recent one. It could have been one and, from 3,000 yeah. years ago. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. I have a, a question about karma from this life ripening at the end of this life because mm -hmm. i've heard i've heard from other teachers it's not as clear in this text but i've heard from other teachers kind of emphatically that karma created in this life very very rarely ripens in this life mm -hmm. but i wonder if that applies at the time of death are we i mean oh okay what what that means is the karma that ripens in this life, that's created in this life, is usually very, very strong karma. If it's very strong karma, it's much easier for it to ripen in this life. When it's, when they say it mostly ripens in future lives, that means that at the time of death, eight, nine, and ten from that set of twelve links, that's going to uh, propel your future life. That's ripening. Yeah. So, so when it says it's going to ripen, it's referring to the resultant links in the next life. But you still need 8, 9, and 10 in this life to propel that life. So, the, the, so then if, an action that... So at the time of death, something is going to ripen. It could be something from created in this very life. Yes. If it's very strong, or it could be... Or or, it, or, or no, at the time of death, any karma created. Any karma could ripen. When they say very strong karma ripens in this life, it doesn't mean at the time of death. It means while you're living now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. On the question of collective karma, it seems like collective karma is discussed separately from, say, projecting karma. Could we say, for instance, that our cats 
were part of the group that say did volunteer work with us in the past. Yeah, sure. But they just had a different projecting karma ripen and exactly. they just didn't happen to be in our realm. Right. You know, uh, they often say that the animals at the monastery were monastics who didn't keep their vows very well. You know, so it could all have been at a, you know, monastics before. And they kind of, yeah, uh, they were a little bit naughty and broke their precepts. Yeah, but they, we definitely, all of us here have some karma together. Yeah. Okay. Okay, then the, is that it? Anything else? Okay, then the next uh, heading is uh, flexibility. In all of the above situations, different elements of many sets of 12 links may occur during the present life. While we are experiencing the results of one set of 12 links, many new sets of 12 links are initiated with the creations of links 1 through 3a. While sometimes the projected and actualized effects occur soon after the projecting causes, in other situations, a long interval may ensue. Cyclic existence is terrifying for as long as we, for as we live out each samsaric existence, we ignorantly create the causes for many more. Okay. So when they say samsara is without an end, it means unless we end it, unless we practice and stop the causes, uh, it won't end because just naturally how we function on a day-to-day basis, we just keep creating causes. They could be virtuous causes, you know, so it doesn't, you know, you could get a whole string of virtuous lives, but or lives created by virtuous causes. The lives themselves are not virtuous. But uh, that doesn't mean that you're out of samsara. In the same way that you can get born in the form realm and formless realms, states of incredible, you know, bliss, but that they're not, uh, they're still within samsara. Okay. Vasubandhu says that once the links of craving, clinging, and renewed existence occur, the bardo follows. There is no reversal of the process. It is not possible to accumulate new projecting karma in the bardo, and the links of birth and aging are an birth and aging or death from that set of 12 links will definitely occur. In other words, once you get on the escalator, you can't get off until the next floor. Okay? And so Abhidharma Kosha says, once the intermediate state of a particular birth is actualized, because the intermediate state is actualized before the birth, it, the the rebirth of that set of 12 links, will not waver. Okay? But his brother Asanga, you know, had a different view. So here we have two brothers. I don't know if they shared their marbles or not, uh, but they do have different opinions about about a number of things. Yeah. So Asanga in the Compendium of Knowledge says, 
uh, there is the possibility of the set of 12 links to waver because in the intermediate state there is the possibility of accumulating karma. Now, your question, I'm going to take it right out of your mouth, is what is an example of the karma you can create in the intermediate state? And my answer is going to be, I don't know. (laughs) Okay. Um, I wonder sometimes if... This could mean that uh, not that you, you know, because he's saying quite clearly that the person could create new karma. But I wonder if it also could, I mean, because it must include or something happens whereby if people do practices and dedicate for you, they don't transfer the karma to you. It's impossible to transfer karma, okay? So transferring, you can transfer money, you know, but you cannot transfer karma. Yeah. But just the fact that people are dedicating for you and sending that kind of positive energy towards you, I think could create the ambience within which your own virtuous karma can ripen. Yeah. So that can influence the next rebirth. Okay, now the Pali tradition of how we cycle. Okay, so the Pali commentaries, including the path of purification, explain the 12 links in terms of groups of four, each with five links to to illustrate the relationships of the 12 links with the different lifetimes in which they occur. Okay, so one thing that's going to be different in the Pali explanation is they don't break link three into two parts. They just put it completely with the resultant links. Okay, so if you look at the chart, yeah, on page 201 at the top. Okay, so to explain the column of links from our present life, life B, okay, we look back and ask ourselves what factors were responsible for our present rebirth. So if you look back, ignorance, formative actions, those are the links in in life A, okay? Through the maturation of formative actions conditioned by ignorance come the five resultant factors of this life in that is life B, yeah, so if you look at it, it's uh, consciousness, name and form, six sources, contact, and feelings. Okay, so those five are under the links column and the 20 modes column. In this life, When feeling occurs, craving arises. That leads to clinging, which generates karmically active, renewed existence. These three occurring in this life are the force that generates another rebirth, life C. So this is just the uh, implicit 
one of the implicit uh, versions that we, we just went over. Okay, so in life B, if you look under links, you have craving, clinging, renewed existence. Okay, and that generates the another rebirth, life C, in which birth, aging, and death are experienced. Okay. This corresponds to the explicit presentation in the Rice Seedling Sutra explained above. Okay, so that, yeah. Okay. However, in any given life, all these factors intermess. So, you know, there's different ways. You have 1 through 12 in the links column. Yeah. Those could all be seen as from one set of, of 12 links or according to the explanation, because the ex explicit presentation in the Life seed Seedling Sutra, though the, um, the 1 through 7 are explained in one life and then 8 through 12 are explained the, in the other life with the other ones implied, Okay. However, in any given life, all these factors intermesh. So to understand how the 12 factors function in this life, we look to the last column with its 20 modes, which fall into four groups of five each. Okay. If you like numbers and lists, Buddhism is the religion for you. You know, lots of numbers and lists and categories and things. Yeah. Okay. So the first is the group of the five past causes. So in the previous life, life A, yeah, ignorance and formative actions were not the only causes for the present life. Uh, craving, clinging, and karmically active renewed existence were also present. So that karma was, uh, that set of 12 links started in life A, and the uh, it's going to be ripened at the end of life A. So that's in the 20 modes column under life A, those five. Okay. These five are considered the five past causes that brought about the, the present life. So they're one, two, eight, nine, and ten. Okay. Then the group of the five present results, that's the second group. Okay. Um, the five past causes brought about the five present effects, which are links three through seven. So those are listed under the 20 modes for, for life B. Okay. The group of the five present causes, yeah. so you have your five present causes. Um, so in this life, life B, there are five causes which will bring forth yet another rebirth. Links eight, nine, and 10, as well as one and two. Okay. So those are in the links column for B and C. Yeah. 
And they're also, oh, they're in the, the five present causes. They're in the 20 modes column for, uh, for, for life B. Okay. So these same five factors that were the five past causes of the present life become the five present causes that will lead to a future life, life C. Okay, so this this is mix and match from different sets of of twelve links. Okay, then you have the group of five future results that are coming from the five present causes. So here, present means that they're uh, at, you know they're occurring in in this life, um, birth, aging, and death arise in future lives due to the five present causes. Yeah, the five present uh, causes were, you see them in the the chart, yeah, okay. Um, So from them, links three to seven are an expanded way of speaking of birth and aging and death. And so that's it's late. The five past causes, five present results, five present causes, and five future results, they're all labeled in the chart. So you can read the description and find out where they are in the, rechart, in the chart. Okay. So then next, it's going to talk about the connecting points between these. So in the above explanation, there are three connecting points. So we had four groups of things. So when you have four groups, you have three (laughs) points at which they connect, okay? So past actions connect with present results. This occurs between formative actions and consciousness. So that makes sense, doesn't it? You have the past causes, you have the five present results, you know, where does that, bridge actually take place between two and three. Yeah. And then present results connect with present causes. So this happens between feeling and craving. In other words, during our lives, we're having all sorts of uh, experiences. So we have all sorts of feelings. Then we react to our feelings. Yeah by craving to have more of them, by craving to be free of them, by craving to have a neutral feeling, okay? And so that that's the touching point be, between those, those previous, um, where was I? Five, the past causes connect with the present results. Yeah, no. Sorry. <laughs> you do this long enough and you get really confused. Okay. Okay, so that was um that was uh oh present results connected with present causes. Okay. So the present results that we're experiencing now from one set of twelve links is creating causes in the present life that are causes for a future life, okay? Uh, so present, and then the third uh, connecting point is between present causes connect with future results, 
Yeah. And so this transition occurs between renewed existence and birth. So you can see that in the chart. Now, the connecting points are between the different uh, squares. Hmm. Okay. So of the 12 links, two are said to be roots of samsara. Okay. Now, in uh, Madhyamaka philosophy, um, Prasangika philosophy specifically, yeah, we say the basic root is ignorance and a uh, view of my view of personal identity. I'm, I always I have my abbreviations when I'm writing these things. So I was thinking VPI, and then I have, oh, what a VPI? <laughs> what does it mean? Because I know what I'm thinking, and I try to view of the present identity. No, view of the personal identity. Okay. <laughs> you have to remember all your abbreviations. <laughs> Okay, so we say view of a personal identity is uh, kind of put together with ignorance. It's not a separate cause of samsara, but it's uh, because it grasps the person in the same way as ignorance grasps all phenomena. But it's it's different. It's not the same as ignorance because ignorance is grasping the true existence of all persons and all phenomena. And view of a personal identity is grasping the true existence of our self. Yeah. So not even other people's selves, let alone other phenomena like the aggregates. Okay. So, but in the Pali tradition, they say that there's two. So ignorance is the root extending from the previous life to the present one. And craving is the root extending from the present life to the future one. That makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, because in any set of 12 links, the ignorance occurred before this life and the craving in this life is going to, uh, it's going to create new karma, but it's also going to make uh, previous karma ripen at the time of death. As the basic unknowing that obscures the mind, ignorance is more fundamental than craving. But craving thrives on ignorance. These guys are really good friends. Yeah, you have ignorance. Craving says, I'm going to come along. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. So um, I, since identifying ignorance is more difficult than recognizing craving, we begin by subduing craving through restraining our senses and cultivating concentration. That's one way to subdue the craving, okay? So that restraining our senses, that means mindfulness of our precepts and how we want to be and introspective awareness that mon monitors our actions of body, speech, and mind, okay? And then um, also by subduing craving, through restraining our senses, what I just said, and cultivating concentration. Because as you go
go through uh, the different dhyanas and meditative absorptions, then the uh, the course afflictions are temporarily suppressed. They're not cut because you haven't realized emptiness yet, but they're temporarily suppressed, and then wisdom can arise and uproot ignorance. Okay? So that's how concentration helps you get to wisdom. Yeah? But we're going to come to another way that it, it works too. So as with many categories, the above distinctions serve explanatory purposes and are not fixed. Ignorance exists in all three lives, as does craving. Okay, so this is, you know, you have to have a a limber mind to jump between different ways of categorizing things and what belongs in what boxes and, and, and so on. Okay, now there's an example from the Pali Sutra. In the greater discourse on the destruction of craving and the Manimunakaya uh, 38, the Buddha gives an example of the 12 factors playing out in the life of an uninformed, ordinary human being who is unaware that he is in samsara and ignorant of the four truths. The Buddha then discusses the way to cut the cycle. Okay. So, ordinary person, Joe Blow. Okay. Susie Cream Cheese, whoever you, you know, want to use as your example. So, conception in the womb requires three conditions. And if any one of them is missing, it does not occur. So, these are one, the sexual union of the mother and father. Two, the woman being in the fertile time of her cycle. And three, the presence of a Gandharva. Now, the word Gandharva is a very interesting word because it also can mean this kind of spirits that um, that eat smells and they have cities where they play um, this beautiful music. So... That word, Gandharva, can refer to those kind of spirits, or in the Pali tradition, it recurs to an intermediate, uh, refers to an intermediate state being. Okay. So, or a being who is ready to take rebirth and has a karmic affinity with those parents. If you don't have a karmic affinity with those parents, you might have the first two things, but the, You know, there's not going to be conception. Okay, so the karmic affinity is due to the first two links, ignorance and formative action. So you've had some relationship with those parents before. The uh, Gandharva entering the newly fertilized ovum is called the descent of consciousness. Consciousness descends into the body. This consciousness, okay, um, here's point three, brings with it ignorance, afflictions, and the entire store of karmic seeds from previous lives. Okay, so you get the whole kit and caboodle when you 
when you take your next life. You don't, it's not that uh, karma that didn't ripen in your previous life now just, uh, you know, goes defunct and it's not going to ripen anymore and you start all over again. Uh Uh-uh. All of that comes with you. Okay. And so people who are parents, I think they, they see that quite easily in that their, their kids have personalities. At the time of conception, okay, so those are the, we got one, two, and three there. Now, at the time of conception, name and form, link four, arise. Only the tactile and mental sources are present at that time. But gradually, as the zygote becomes an embryo and then a fetus, all six sources come into being. That's link five. After the baby is born, the six sources become active, yeah, and they contact objects. So then you have link six of contact. And engaging with sights, sounds, smells, tastes, and tactile objects. Okay, so that's all part of contact. Then babies have rudimentary conceptual thought, which develops as the child learns learns language and is socialized and educated. As the child plays with toys and participates in games, his six uh, cognitive faculties lead to contact with more agreeable, disagreeable, and neutral objects. Okay, this produces pleasant, painful, or neutral feelings, so link seven. And the the child craves, link eight, and clings, link nine, to have what brings him happiness and to be free of what brings suffering. It all sounds terribly familiar, doesn't it? And this is our lives, what happens all the time. As the child becomes an adult, I love this paragraph. As a child becomes an adult and his toys are exchanged for more sophisticated means of entertainment. Yeah. We think, you know, as grown-ups, you're so much more mature. You're not like kids anymore. All you do is change what your toys are. Yeah. You leave behind the leg Legos and you pick up a golf club or, you know, you um, leave behind uh, scraps of paper that you used to do finger painting on and you pick up diplomas and certificates. Yeah, but it's, you know, just exchanging one set of amusing things for the next. So, so at that time as adults, the six sources continue to contact the six objects. So you still have the same six senses, the same six objects that are just more sophisticated so that you are more arrogant. <laughs> yeah. Leading to many occasions of pleasant, painful, and neutral feelings. As a senior citizen, the objects of entertainment change again. And now you like 
those little things that your children give you that go through all the pictures of your life and their lives and, you know, and you like all the cards, the display of all the cards that your kids send you on birthdays and anniversaries. Yeah. And you, and you like going back and watching the same, uh, uh, I love Lucy shows that you liked when you were a kid. Yeah. And maybe you still fight with your brother, whether you watch I love Lucy or the price is right. Cause you're both sitting there in your, well, they tell me, you know, and so it's just different things. It's not that one is better than the next. We just exchange toys, you know, according to, you know, uh, our stage in life. I guess, you know, it's like when you're a kid, you have a piggy bank. Yeah. When you're an adult, you have a bank account. When you're a senior citizen, you have stocks and bonds. Something like that. That shows you the extent of my <laughs> financial awareness. <laughs> okay. Okay. Okay, as a senior citizen, the objects of entertainment change again, but the process of the six sources leading to contact that produce feelings continues. Yeah. It's like, you know, yeah, what, what you like to eat when you were kids as an adult and as a senior citizen, you're still eating, it's just different stuff. Yeah, same process. In all these occasions, Pleasant and painful feelings lead to craving and clinging to have, in the case of present pleasant feelings, or to be separated from the objects of the six senses. So there's always this pull, push, pull, push. I want, I don't want. Give it to me. Get it away. Attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, Attachment, anger, and other emotions arise one after the other in response to whatever we contact. Yeah? When we feel neither uh, pleasure nor pain, we are bored and crave some excitement as an escape. So you've been sitting indoors for two years with COVID, you know, and you, it's boring. You look at the same four walls. So all the, those times when you were longing to just stay at home and do nothing, you now have lots of them, but they are quite boring. And you want something new. Okay, that is exciting. So you... uh I don't know, you know, volunteer to go to Ukraine and enlist in their army with the international, they have an international army. So you do that. Or you go out and you have a fling or you get a new pet or you, who knows what people do. You come to the Abbey, any place to get out of where I was before. So thus it says, this is quoting from the sutra, um, he delights in that feeling 
welcomes it and remains holding to it. So with whatever these feelings are, pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral, we delight in them. Okay. Yeah. So how do we delight in unpleasant feelings? It's coming. Okay. Thus is it. Um, Lacking mindfulness and introspective awareness regarding uh, his own experience, he does not see any alternative and remains ignorant of the potential of his mind. So you have all these sense sensations, pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral, but you don't see any big purpose in your life except just to keep on living and get as much pleasure and avoid as much pain as possible. That becomes the whole purpose of the life, you know? And then that gets acted out in terms of helping our friends and harming our enemies. My first meditation course, Rinpoche said, look at your life and and compare it to a dog's life. Yeah? Is there that much difference if you don't practice the Dharma? Or is it just like a dog's life in terms of helping your friends and harming your enemies? Yeah? A dog has friends. They wag their tail. They jump with excitement when somebody who gives them food comes around. When a stranger comes or, or a threatening person, they growl. And the rest of the time they sleep or just sit there and look out the window. You know? So, yeah, and that's basically really what a lot of human beings do. Help your friends, harm your enemies, and space out. It's really sad, you know, when you think of it. Because we have this human intelligence, but we have no idea of our potential. And so we don't use our human intelligence in any kind of constructive way to create uh, causes, good causes for the future and to benefit others. Yeah, We just stay in pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, going back and forth between them. Okay. What does it mean to delight in a painful feeling? This indicates a person clings to the feeling with the thought, I and mine. How do you delight in an unpleasant feeling. You know you exist when you experience pain. Yeah, it's reaffirming our mistaken, an erroneous idea that there is a truly existent person. Because when we experience pain, that sense of I comes real strong. I don't like this. I want it to stop. So anything that brings up that 
that feeling of a strong, inherently existent I, yeah, delights the mind because the basic fear is that we don't exist or that at the time of death we're going to cease and not exist. So every time this feeling of I comes up, even if it's from unpleasant things, I exist. So what does it mean to delight in a painful feeling? This indicates a person clings to the feeling with the thought I and mine. His sense of I gets a boost through feeling uncomfortable. He may put himself in stressful or even dangerous situations to reinforce his sense that I exist. Yeah, You can see this when people do self-sabotaging actions, you know, when people act out in ways that are going to get themselves in trouble or hurt themselves or something, you know, it's, it reaffirms the, ex- the f- existence. Of, well, it reaffirms this false, you know, idea that there's a truly existent me. He may even create an identity out of his pain. I am the person who was unfairly criticized. We do that, don't we? I am the person who stubbed my toe. Yeah. And every time you walk past that place in the forest where you stubbed your toe, you remember it. And when you're walking in the forest with a friend, you point it out, that's where I stubbed my toe. It's a landmark, crucial to our life. (sighs) One time, um, when I was studying at Nalanda, Nalanda was the monks' monastery, and the nuns from Dorji Palma went there to have classes with Kenzer Jampa Tekcho. So the monks, after one teaching one day, we used to all hang out together. We had two classes in the afternoon. So in the break time, people would hang out and drink tea together, and, you know, we were all quite friendly. And, but, and after one teaching, one monk, who, was, who I was good friends with, stood up and said, the monks now uh, would like the nuns not to arrive early uh, at, for the teachings. And as soon as the class, second class ends, uh, please leave. We want, uh, you know, this to just be a monastery for the monks. So and he wasn't even Italian. <laughs> yeah. So I was not very happy, <laughs> you know? I mean, it's like, here we go again. So uh, because he was a friend, I said, uh, can, we, can we talk about this? So we decided to walk down the road, and we were discussing it back and forth and back and forth. 
And then at the end, I forget what conclusion we came to, but, you know, I stopped being angry and he stopped being defensive. And, and, um, and he said, oh, you know, we just had such a clear image of the object of negation and we completely missed it. Yeah, because that object of negation was so visit, visible, you know, when you're mad, when you're defensive, you know, it's like, and instead of like going, oh, there's the object of negation, let's see if it really exists, we can continue to defend it. But he noticed that, you know, commented on it, which I thought was, as you can see, it made a, an impression on me. I remember that quite well. It's true. We had perfect opportunity to see the object of negation. Okay. Okay, but we were too busy delighting in unpleasant feelings to notice the arising of the, mis- the wrong conception mind. Triggered by craving and clinging, eight and nine. Okay, so this is here's the person who was creates the identity who's upset. Yeah, he speaks, acts, or ruminates about the situation. So I'm sure we're all familiar with that. Um, this karmically active side of renewed existence, okay, which is number ten, ripens in a new rebirth, the eleventh link. Aging and death, link 12, begins immediately, and sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, and despair come to be. So sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, and despair, whenever the Buddha is talking about samsara and talking about the links, these uh, five words come afterwards, okay? Yeah, well, not just those five, but such as the origin is of this whole mass of dukkha, the Buddha says each time. The process from contact onward to aging and death occurs repeatedly as a result of the six sources contacting objects of the six senses. Okay? So from six, you know, six seven, eight, and nine are happening quite regularly in our lives. Um, So we'll pause here and start up next time. Yeah. So I, um, I really see a difference when you people read ahead and come to come prepared to the, to the class. There's a big difference I can see in how you take in the teachings, you know, and how much you look like. Uh, So we didn't have time for, for questions today. Sorry.